Previously on a Valerie's Variety Podcast, part one and part two of the EC Varga interview. Take a listen to these clips. I see this. So oh I went gosh. out and I picked oh, you up a variety. Oh I did. Lord, you so are just the sweetest thing. We could just try a few. Okay. And we can have a, a Coke or, or a ginger ale in one of these. Okay, thank you. And then we can just maybe have a little like test, testing <laughs> okay. session. I'm good with that. And you're that. not even driving. And nope. neither am I. So nope. this is great. <laughs> so it's all good. So, yeah. yeah. So here's what we all have. Right. Oh, this is cute. some of those at home too. They're so I have gorgeous. Crown Royal. Okay. Tennessee. All right. Jack Daniels. Gibson's Finest. Okay. Fireball. Oh, which yes, she that's... said. It's, it's quite good. She yeah. said it was good. <laughs> it and is. then I have like our traditional Canadian, Canadian club. club. Excellent. Oh my so goodness. Whatever you'd like to start with. So tell us, where did the inspiration of your book come from? Well, my husband, your other sensei, yes, uh, he is from the Transylvanian region of Romania, what is nowadays Romania. This is the reason why people still buy paperbacks, like this feeling of your book. Thank it's you. It's the perfect size. It's a little bigger than your traditional pocketbook. Yeah. It's... Like, I'm not kidding. It feels like velvet when you touch the front. So we're sitting here. We both have a copy yes. in front of us. Of <laughs> we're this both gorgeous the copies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're fondling them. <laughs> yes. And you have chosen, like, a really nice... And, and, and they sent me this back. It was the very first try. They sent other ideas. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I was in love with it. So what ended up happening? So why don't you read the back of book one for us? All right. <laughs> you must know ink. it off by in your magic ink, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. You must know it off by heart. I I do. I have a bit of a different spiel that I give to people when they ask what the book is about. So when you're um, at the mm. base town, which is it's a ridge. Say that strong. It, it is. It's a mountain that has eroded over time to look like, from a distance, like a throne. It looks like a throne. And because it's a mountain, it's a massive throne, right? Oh, my and gosh. And so the, yes. the Romanians, Transylvanians, mm -hmm. whoever existed at the time when this mountain was named, mm -hmm. um, gave it the name. God's uh, Chair. God's Chair, which I think in Romanian is Scanul Domini. There is an awful lot of folklore um, behind a lot of the natural occurring rock formations, formations. or mountains and, and whatnot. And, and a lot of them have to do with dragons. <laughs> so it's just, it just worked out perfect. It was, it was serendipitous. That's all I can say. Offensive. <laughs> Would have been offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You were right about that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, well, 
yeah, if people did a little bit more investigating. Mike has moved around an awful lot in his life, and he hasn't been able to connect with many friends, and, and he hasn't been able to make lasting friendships with people, let's put it that way. And Hannah comes along, and in his short time, having lived in Calgary at this point, like I think six months, um, he made a really great connection with a girl named Hannah. So they're friends at this point, okay? But he's like, she, sorry, rather, is the friend he can talk to. He just... He doesn't know why, but he can open up to her. Hmm. So this is Hannah. Okay, well, speaking of 17, mm -hmm. which is my favorite number. Excellent. Which I, I did it. not know this was on chapter 17. Oh, even better. <laughs> Page 142. Thank That's you. so crazy. I should know these all off by heart. Um, and I just want to say while you're looking in your book. Yeah. So 17 is beautiful. It's called The Ancestor's Prophecy. Like a, I don't know, any romance reader's sort of love, right? The, yeah, the, the big tall, tall man. Totally handsome, strong. Tall. Yeah. yeah, right. Broad <laughs> shoulders. You're so. right. Okay, um, settle down. No. <laughs> and the, the petite little girl, you know, who needs to be protected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Classes. But she's still feisty and strong. Um, so, so what can I say? Um, okay, Mike is easy. Today's show is part three of this interview with E.C. Varga Constance and her book, The God's Chair. What's interesting is how deep we are getting to know this author. She's a local Calgary author. She lives just outside of the city on an acreage. She works at chapters by day, dressed all in black and is a black belt sensei in karate, teaching in the jojo by night, dressed all in white. With her partner, Erno, the E in E. C. Varga. We are continuing on with our whiskey samplers from Canadian Club to Gibson's, Jack Daniels to Crown Royal, and finishing off with Fireball. We've covered these and this young adult sci-fi novel. This book is stunning. This show is about reviews, interviews, and my daily views. It's a story podcast about my life in Calgary, whatever, whenever. This show drops every Tuesday. You can find me on Instagram at Valerie J. Moss, Pinterest at VJ Moss, and on Facebook at Valerie's at Variety Pod. Don't forget to check out the show notes for pictures, links to our socials, and more. Thanks for listening. Now, on with today's episode. Back to chapter one, let's find out more about this book, book one of four, in today's show. Enjoy the episode.
So the reason I want to write, uh, sorry, read from chapter one is because um, dragons play a very integral part oh, yes. of of the entire story. Um, it's it's alluded to in book one, and and don't be disappointed, readers who love dragons. Um, disappointed. They, they play, well. Because they're alluded to okay, in, in okay, book okay. one, um, but they play a very, very, very important role in the entire series of, of four books. So here we go. Chapter one. Brothers. It was hot. Way too hot. Any normal person would have passed out by now. Any normal person would have escaped this heat long ago and made a mad dash to the nearest source of relief, like a bathtub full of ice. It has to be said that any normal person wouldn't even have been here at all. But Mike wasn't normal, and he knew it. He knew exactly where he was. He was in a vast underground labyrinth, dimly lit by thousands of torches that lined many broad, tall passageways, sparkling with, rain with a rainbow of colors from the millions of diamonds and gems embedded in the rock. Everywhere, small mounds burst with toxic steam, creating a fatal atmosphere for any normal human being. The ground burnt your feet, the heat emanating from the tall rock walls so intense it could scorch you from several feet away. A large underground lake scattered with small islands gurgled and popped continuously, like a boiling pot of water. Not a single crevice of sanctuary existed, not for humans anyways. This shouldn't have been a place for Mike either, yet it was. He felt as connected to this place as twins might to one another, or even steel to a magnet. He tried to rationalize that this wasn't possible. He should have passed out by now, been burned to death, gone up in flames. But here he was. It was always the same, walking the familiar passage that would just about lead him to the chamber he knew so well yet had never seen. He was breathing and walking as usual, as if his entire body was heat resistant. It was definitely hot, that he could feel. But it was a soothing warmth, like a hot bath or the heat of the tropical sun on his back. He was close to the chamber now. He couldn't see it in the dimly lit corridor, but he knew without a doubt that it was, that he was. Whether he wanted to be here or not, it was as if his very soul was being pulled toward the chamber by invisible rope. He was the steel ball rolling unwillingly towards the massive powerful magnet behind the chamber wall. Only a few feet away now, he held his breath in anticipation of what he would encounter. What would happen next? He took the next step carefully, exactly as he had done so many times before. For years, he had made it this far. Maybe this time he would make it one step further. Maybe this time he would make it all the way. He had wasted many hours of his young life wondering what that chamber contained. At times he thought it was all-consuming. And he couldn't, try as he might, think about anything else. Whatever it was, it belonged to him, solely, like a member of his body, and it, couldn't be, it could be claimed by no other. Taking a deep breath, he raised his foot slowly to take the next step, the step that never happens. His heart was pounding so hard he could hear it in his head, his breathing quickening in anticipation. His foot suspended in mid-step, he froze momentarily, waiting. Would he make it one step further this time? Or would it swoosh? It came from behind, as it always did. A great gust of hot wind, nearly knocking him off his feet. The vice then closed in around his body, powerful and gentle, never hurting him. He experienced a rush of exhilaration, even though it had happened the same way every time as he was lifted high into the air. 
Higher and faster he was being pulled towards the opening at the top of the cave that from the ground appeared as a tiny hole, a pinprick in the landscape. As he soared towards it, the hole grew larger and larger. The path from the ground to the opening was full of obstacles, large chunks of rock jutting out into his path. Small boulders fell as he traveled higher. He had no control of his movements and was at the mercy of what was pulling him. As they negotiated the treacherous path toward the opening, he was whipped side to side. Suddenly, he was out, being gently placed onto solid ground. He should have been frustrated beyond belief, and he was, to a degree. He had been so close, but he was too euphoric to think about it now, as adrenaline coursed through him. He had known it would happen this way, but that didn't change how he felt every time. The flight out of the cave was thrilling, and in his heart he knew that his friend, his brother, had come exactly at the right time. But as much as he wanted to know what lay in that chamber, and that it belonged to him, he also knew that he was not ready. Now, exhilarated, yet cautious, Mike grasped his brother's long, scaly neck and swung himself up onto his back. This action came naturally to him, and his movements were executed with ease. He steadied himself, his arms still wrapped tightly around his brother's neck, and whispered a genuine, thank you, in his ear. You shouldn't have been down there. You're not ready yet, his brother scolded as he got poised to fly. But Mike knew he wasn't really angry. He knew that his brother cherished their time together as much as he did. Now let's get out of here, Mike shouted, tightening his grip. The dragon needed no convincing. Before Mike had even finished his command, his brother had stepped forward off the cliff on which they had been standing and dove into the air. They disappeared into thick clouds and all that could be heard were Mike's shouts of joy. This was his favorite part. It felt so real. He felt so alive. Just when it looked like they were careening to their death below came the bursts of air that hit Mike on both sides and the whooping sound of his brother's huge wings as they worked to lift them both up higher. Higher and higher they went, bursting up through the clouds, then gradually leveling off. Everything above the clouds was peaceful. It was morning and Mike marveled as the sun rose, bright rays catching the wispy ends of clouds as heat evaporated the thick cloud cover, creating striking rainbows. He was only a teenage boy, but even he could appreciate the glory of what he was seeing. It took his breath away. There was no breeze except that which came from his brother's wings. Like so many times before, he took this peaceful moment to reflect on his brother. He wasn't sure how he knew they were brothers. They hadn't grown up together. No one had told them that they were, and they certainly weren't alike. In fact, they weren't even the same species. Despite this, there was a bond so powerful between them that he just knew, like twins separated at birth, who knew their other half, even if they never met. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> now a screech so loud and terrible coming from behind him tore through the sky and ripped Mike from his thoughts. Instinctively, his brother dove through the thick clouds below. Mike turned to see what had caused the noise, making the hairs on the back of his neck stand on end. He had only a split second before they were engulfed in wet cloud cover, and all he could see was that the sky had filled with fire beneath him, behind him. What, what was that? Mike shouted over the sound of his brother's beating wings, his voice quivering with terror. You are not ready for this yet. Not yet. I will get us out of this. His brother shouted back, talking more to himself than Mike. There came another screech, this time seeming, seeming further away, but the effect was the same. 
It made Mike's skin crawl, and it felt as though his heart had stopped beating several minutes before. He gripped his brother's neck tighter. What do you mean by, I'm not ready for this yet? What exactly is following us and why? He demanded. But it was futile asking. He knew he wouldn't get an answer. He never did. Mike sensed his brother's alarm. He hated this part, hated that he could do nothing to take the fear away. No matter how many times they had been here together, it would always be the same. They would always be helpless against their pursuer. Mike willed it to be different. Just once, he thought, just once, please be different. It wasn't. As usual, he received no reply. So he asked the same question he always did, full of fear and feeling frantic. What was, but before he could finish, he was cut off. Shh, we have to be quiet. It is listening. He knew the silence would come and also the feeling that came with it. Whatever it was, was pursuing them. Whatever it was that was pursuing them seemed capable of emitting a sense of dread so powerful it curdled both Mike's and his brother's blood. Mike could feel the dragon twitching beneath him. He knew what was coming next, yet the feeling of shock and terror would be the same as it had been so many times before. He could do nothing to stop it, nothing to stop any of this. He never could. He wanted to scream, he wanted it to end, wanted to never feel this afraid ever again, wanted to never feel his brother's fear ever again. But he didn't scream, and he couldn't end it. He just let it play out the way he always did. He let his brother prepare them. On cue, it came. Transylvania proverb. Oh, so this is so interesting. Um, <laughs> Ethiopian proverb, Transylvanian proverb. All right. So the Transyl, oh sorry, the Ethiopian proverb actually exists. This is a true proverb, and it. So needs... it's not only Chinese proverbs. <laughs> oh no, everybody's got proverbs, <laughs> and now Transylvania has one, whether they want it or not. But the Ethiopian proverb reads, "When spiders web." When spider webs unite, they can tie up a lion. And then in a moment of sheer brilliance, <laughs> Sensei Erno, my lovely husband, who is the E in Isibarka, said, well, when weaver's webs unite, they can tie up a dragon. Uh, and I was just like, this is so great. <laughs> so that's made up. And it's important to know this. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. Coined by Sensei Erno. Coined this by is the Erno Transylvania. <laughs> exactly, the Transylvanian proverb. Yes. So they say that if you took all the spider webs mm -hmm. of the world mm -hmm. and combined them into one spot, mm -hmm. it would tilt the Earth's axes over. I, that I didn't know. I know an awful lot about spiders' webs, but, uh, and, you know. I heard that on, like, National Geographic or something. Really? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, spider's webs are amazing. And, and in case anybody's got, like, uh, future knee problems, um, wait until <laughs> until spider silk is, uh, you know, on the market in the, or the FDA, FDA approved. Um, it's supposed to be the It'll strongest heal. substance on, on Earth. Yeah. And flexible. Wha- strongest what? flexible substance on Earth. It's made from a specific type of spider, which can, uh, the protein of that particular um, web can be found, can be made with goat's milk. So there you go, because <laughs> we can't wow, just wow. harvest this particular spider forever and ever. Um, so they've found a way to harvest it from goat's milk. So, so that spider alone, you know, creates the most powerful. Um, What's the type of spider? Do you know? I don't know. I I do. I just off the top of my head, my head, I'm I'm having like a blank moment here. What um, is it from? All the whiskey? <laughs> probably. Yeah. I should know this. Um, and this particular spider, if anybody wants to sort of Google this piece of information, mm. makes one single web um, that spans an entire uh, river in in Africa. Uh, so it, it can be meters upon meters long. Um, but it's so powerful that just that one web um, can can span that distance and remain intact. And it's enough to quite literally stop an entire boat full of of people traveling down the river. So that's how powerful that would it is. be so I know and gross. I should know I should know like what when the you're walking is. like from a, the house to my garage and you get webbed you're like oh yeah this like, is why disgusting is it like right across the eyes or <laughs> yeah, right exactly it's, it's always at a height that's creepy yeah yeah, yeah. it's like how do you what they know yeah. they know they're smart yeah. So. <laughs> well, on that arachnophobia note. Yes. <laughs> thank yes. you, Constance. Thank you, Valerie. Thank, thank you, Sarga. so much for having me. For coming show. into my studio. This will be Studio 17. I have a big sign coming. Oh, I love it. Yes. 17. Always. Excellent. Okay. And personally introducing your book to me. Thank it you. will be my next book I read. So I hope you're back. And I'll talk about, I'll have all these questions after about. Fabulous. I would characters. love to. Maybe different whiskeys. Never know. <laughs> They've all been great. They've all been good. <laughs> Absolutely. We're on Gibson's now in case anybody wants yes. to know. Gibson's finest. Gibson's finest. finest. Yeah. <laughs> They've been smoother as we go, although Jack Daniels was our first pick. Absolutely. They're smoother after that? I, yeah. I, yeah, I think I thought the Jack Daniels was probably the smoothest thus far, although I haven't tried the Gibsons, um, and I'm, I'm a fan of Gibsons, so... <laughs> okay, so she'll see. be here for a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It was an honor. I am so pleased that you have me on your show. I'm Constance Varga, and I'm listening from Cheadle, Alberta. Those of you who have known me for a while through this podcast know I'm a voracious reader. Although it takes me a while to finish a book, I always have a good story on the go. Always. I just love local authors and referencing familiar places and cities within the book. It's the connection to the story we are always looking for. Whether it's the characters or the locations described in the book, 
If we can connect, we're committed readers, right? The spider that Constance is referring to is called the Darwin's bark spider. They build their web with the orb suspended directly above a river or a water body like a lake, a habitat that no other spider can use. This spider silk is the toughest biological material ever studied, over 10 times tougher than a similar sized piece of Kevlar. These are spiders of the movies with large females, almost all black with white hairs on their bodies. Legs of over one inch and a half long. And yes, Constance was correct. They can web a span of up to three meters. Check out the show notes for a link to Wikipedia on this amazing spider. After we were done the quote interview part, we just sat and kibitzed. And this is really where the goods are. Here's some outtakes. Remember, we're a few whiskey samplers in, finishing our last one and enjoying casual banter. Take a listen to these clips. You do a wonderful job. I mean, you are just born to do this. Are you calm? Um, like, were you... I am. Um, I do happen to love piano, though. That is what... And oh my gosh, I'm so interested to hear all this. I truly am. I think you're great at it, personally. Oh, thank yeah, you. I do. I yeah, really I, I want people to be comfortable. Like, I know you're in my home, and so that yeah. in itself is kind of like... Mm. It is, yeah. It can be a little nerve-wracking, but... Oh, no. Uh, sorry, I meant it. It's very comforting to me. Oh, okay, I, good. I'm much better in this type of surrounding than I am if I was, like, in, in a studio, studio or, or something. Oh, yeah. Or in front of a larger crowd of people. I used to sew for a living. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other show. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I need to know. How would somebody react if they said, look, you're a magician, okay, or, or a wizard, right? And, you know, I have to be able to act out the reality of it. Otherwise, I can't explain it well, right? I can't put it down in words well. Anyways, okay, yeah, cheers. Be lovely to have. Oh, yes, sorry. Our cheers. last yeah. one. <laughs> well, one. probably. Thank you. Depending on what time or not. If I start like, you know, I'm going to be so loopy, my word. I haven't drank this much in ages. Yeah, well, it's like neat. Mm-hmm. Oh, it smells so. It's like candy hearts. It is like candied hearts. In fact, it's exactly. Mm. Isn't it nice? Yeah. She I told mean, me, she says, you have to have this one. Mm-hmm. I said, I wanted, I wanted like a, quite a few choices of your whiskey. She's like, it's noon. Yeah, right. I'm with London. Yeah. And so, it's so funny. I had my own bag and everything. And so, the, like, and we always go over there. Like, we get a bottle of wine or whatever. And so yeah. she's like, oh, I got this and this. And I'm like, well, what's that one? Oh, that one's really hot. Okay, I'll take one of those. Yeah, oh, she's it's like, good. Oh, my gosh. This is probably the best yum. one yet. Um, Mom? We all have our favorite places in the house, right? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm thinking like up here. Or, you she's know, like a grown-up. In my bedroom. Because mm-hmm. I love my bedroom. And she's like, I know your favorite place is the kitchen, right, Mom? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. not quite top of the list, but like it's no. up there. Mm-hmm. I know I'm in there a lot, Maybe but... Maybe number 10? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. But my favorite place mm-hmm. or the place that I am a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite the same. That's right. Yeah, no. There's but different priorities. That. Like, yeah, I'm not sociable at all. You're not sociable? No. 
<laughs> I I'm love very... to be by myself though, Constance. Yes. But but that's the that's the that's the actual technical definition of an introvert. Is not that you want to be alone and reclusive. Yeah, you're not is a reclusive. Is that you is that you you can re energize in your own space. How introvert. many siblings do you have? Well, I have two that I grew up with, right? Okay, and so you have a so blended family? I, well, not really. Oh. My dad just wasn't a very faithful man. Oh, <laughs> so, I see. Um, so, okay, to his credit, two of them came about 15 years before he even met my, my mother. Hmm. Um, so I have a sister and brother who grew up in England. Uh, they were born here, but they grew up in England. And, um, again probably more reclusive which it comes from my dad's side of the family mm. right and I, I could I could very easily be a recluse um, he has one he had one brother uh, both my parents have passed on now he had one brother who oh, was a, an actual on. actual complete recluse like like died like, right like, and lived like alone. three or four days before we discovered him kind of thing mm. well my parents were substantially older than I was they were like the age of everybody else's grandparents and um, hmm. and theirs was more or less, for lack of a better word, an arranged marriage. There had to have been some sort of attraction between the two, but the two families knew each other for a very long period of time. They tried desperately to marry off their oldest son, my dad's brother, um, to my mother, uh, but she didn't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> and uh, nobody wanted him. He was the recluse who died, and it like, took us oh, four yeah. days to find him. And um, yeah, it was pretty grim. But... Uh, but, so, anyways, that didn't work out. Um, my dad moved here with his brother in 56 or something, and then went back, like, in 65. Back to? And back to Germany, sorry. Okay, and, yeah, And we're, Germany, you know, at a function, because those families ran in the same sort of aristocracy. Aristocracy? I don't even know what it was. They were part of aristocracy. Um... Aristocracy? Aristocracy, yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but in Germany, that's kind of that's what it translates into. So they were... Like their they family were, name. Like their stock. Like their... They they were prominent families in, in Germany. The, my mm. mother's family and my father's family. My mother's family more, um, but my father's family definitely sort oh, of bought their way into that. Uh, they, were, they were high society. And so it was still a time of very much... My husband and I were already married, and we were invited to a 50th wedding anniversary mm -hmm. on my mom's side. So we go to this wedding anniversary, and we're sitting with my mom and her siblings and all the spouses and everything, and we're sitting there, and up on stage is my un my uncle, right. who's, who's the 50th is with, and his yeah. wife, my auntie Colleen, and then they have three kids sitting up there. Mm-hmm. And so my mom and her siblings were all kibitzing, like, no, there's only two. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> and, yeah, no, we're sure. Like, we're sure there's only two. And they're, like, doing all the birthdays. And, no, so-and-so was older than me. And then it was me. And then so-and-so <laughs> came. And then it was her. And then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so my uncle mm -hmm. at the time. Art, Uncle Art. Uncle Art, yeah. He taught the kids how to say the word bastard. At <laughs> a very exuberant pace. <laughs> right. And so Art and Carrie, and they had two kids, and then Art had this 
floundering moment yeah. when he had this other child, and Auntie Carrie just took her in as one of her own. Wow, that is so yes. wonderful. So all these years later, this daughter shows up, and so they're all sitting up there as this like big happy family, and my mom and all her siblings were like, what the hell? Like, I don't remember like there being ever being three girls, <laughs> or there was only ever two. <laughs> so here he had like this, they're married 50 years, wow. and like year 10 or something had this in between his two girls had this girl and oh. auntie carrie just like accepted this girl in wow but no none of us knew her it was kind of like this yeah. their family secret or their family yeah. you know immediate yeah. family dealt with it and had this family and yeah so it was pretty Pretty like there's a lot of like head pecking going on, like, uh, yeah. you know, like <laughs> well trying to figure yeah. out. Well, because that generation didn't really wasn't spoken of, or you tried to keep it hush hush, or whatever. well, and what like, were you gonna do? Leave your husband, who was the breadwinner, and yeah. like be like, exactly. I'm gonna do this on my own. Like not really back then. Yeah, no. like in the seventies or no sixties, like exactly you just wouldn't. No. This is Yellow Moss Original Podcast. This show is written and produced by me, Valerie Moss, in Calgary, Alberta. The Valerie's, quote, variety name came from my husband and his wealth of knowledge when it comes to my love for change. I couldn't be pigeonholed into one genre, thus the, quote, reviews, interviews, and my daily views in the opening of this show, as this is what the show is truly about, and the focus in these three main headings. You can find me at ValerieMoss.ca and on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. You can find Constance E.C. Varga on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. E.C. Varga, as well as at ecvarga.com. Talk to you next Tuesday. My name is Constance Varga, and you can find me at ecvarga.com.